Support for this podcast comes from Guardian Jobs. Guardian Jobs provides a range of recruitment and branding solutions with access to a monthly audience of 149 million users. They offer a range of innovative talent attraction and content options, ranging from the latest programmatic and behavioural targeting to developing content partnerships on themes such as the future of work and women in tech for organisations like Deloitte and Sky. To find out how they can help you, visit recruiters.theguardian.com. That's recruiters.theguardian.com. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 51 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Gartner Research predicts that by 2020, 75% of businesses will be a digital business or preparing to become one. Digital transformation is the number one priority for many CEOs. And personally, I think it's crucial that HR and recruiting position themselves as key drivers in this business revolution. The companies who can attract and retain the right talent at the right time in the right way are going to be the ones who win the race. Governments tend to have a terrible track record when it comes to technology, and the UK government is no exception. However, in recent years, the government digital service has managed to break the mould and make some fantastic progress with the digital transformation of many core UK government services. My guest this week is Zishan Shamsi, who is now Head of Talent Acquisition at Background Checking Company, Orfino. Previous to this, though, he was Head of Recruitment for the Government Digital Service, and his experience there is the main focus of our conversation. Hi, Zish, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. How are you? Very good. Very good. It's a very wet, rainy Monday in Scotland. I'm, I'm hoping the weather's better where you are. It's a uh, yeah, nice nice spring day here in London. So yeah, good. Ah, you're 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 more than lucky. Um, so could you sort of introduce yourself and tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is Deshaun Shamsi. Um, I'm a recruiter. My background uh, after university, I started off in uh, agency recruitment. Uh, spent about uh, about three years there working, um, doing uh, developers and, and tech. Uh, initially into the investment uh, banking industry and then to kind of wider tech. Then I moved uh, in-house to the BBC, spent four years there um, as a recruiter and then kind of progressed my way up to, to kind of heading up uh, recruitment for what was known at the time as the, the BBC Future Media uh, Department. And then after, as I said, about four years there, I left to join um, the Cabinet Office and, and the Government Digital Service to to, to kind of lead on recruitment there and um yeah spent two wonderful years there and about to start my new job as a head of head of talent acquisition at Unfido which I'm really looking forward to as well so yeah that's that's me in a nutshell fantastic now um I think you're actually starting at Onfido tomorrow so yeah um I want to come back and talk about um uh digital and digital transformation in the government and the civil service but before we do can you just give us a, a quick overview about who Onfido are and what you're going to be doing for them yeah, so Onfido uh, are a company which have automated doing background checks, um, and they've got 
uh, where they stand out is their product. Basically, you can do a lot of these background checks, which you need to do for either candidates or, or for people that use kind of shared economy, uh, things like uh, Deliveroo or, or, or things like that online. Uh, and that's where it stands out from a lot of uh, other organizations and other kind of background check processes in the government um it takes about six to eight weeks for us to do background checks. And obviously that takes, uh, that adds to the end to, in terms of the length of the t- time to hire as well. So when I saw a product that could basically solve that problem and, and, and shorten the timescale it took, I was particularly impressed. And and then when they reached out saying that they're looking for um, uh, somebody to come in and join as the head of talent acquisition, um, you know, we started the conversation and, and it's kind of gone from there as well. So yeah, they do, they do bits and pieces there as well as with the, um, in the banking industry with, uh, you know, know your customer and anti-money laundering as well. So yeah, so for, I think they're about four years old now. Uh, and so they're about to, to grow and develop in London, Lisbon and San Francisco. And, and I've come to, to join them to help them do that. So I'm really excited to look forward to it. Great stuff. So just sort of delving back into your past a, a, a little bit. I mean, I think one of the things that um, I'm particularly interested in, I know that um, there's a lot of talk about this at the moment, is digital transformation. Yeah. Um, how organisations are going through digital transformation um, and what the implications are for HR and recruitment. Now, you've obviously worked in the in the public sector for two organisations that are sort of, I suppose, held up to uh, greater claim for being able to to, to do this. Um, what was your experience? What what does digital transformation look like in in the public sector? Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's uh, you know currently a, a, a hot topic as well. I think um, I think certainly in, in the BBC it was a little bit more kind of the wheels were already in motion and and uh, you know with with things like iPlayer and other products uh, already being digital it was it was you know as i said the wheels were already in motion in in the government um i joined um in the beginning february february 4 2014 so you know gds had 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 already uh, kind of started the work as well i think it's an interesting time in government um digital transformation as i said is is important and the thing about the civil service is because IT as a whole had already had been outsourced for so long, it's a mentality and a way and a, an approach of, of problem solving, which is new to government. Um, but I think as difficult as it is, I think there is a lot of appetite. There's a lot of fantastic people, not just in GDS, but all throughout government that have been brought in or, or have actually been in government for a while as civil servants themselves that are kind of, already either a know and understand the benefits of, of kind of, of, of digital uh, and using um, using that to build services which focus on the user need um, but but also the, the challenges I guess with anything like an, an organization like the civil service which is so vast and so much so complex in many respects it's it's almost you know the changing of of mentality you have to constantly challenge the status quo because with all due respect to, to, to ex-colleagues there some of them don't 
know any different. So it's people are people by nature are, are apprehensive to change. And if you go in and, and you know you want to change the way people have worked for not just one or two years, but you know decades potentially in some in some examples, people are naturally apprehensive. So it's almost an the challenge is education to actually you know for want of a, a, a less cheesy phrase for t- to take people on that journey with you to show them the benefits and then not only just that but show them how they can be part of that um that situation that that transformation that journey for want of a better word because otherwise you know sometimes you can go in and actually just say right this is what it's going to look like and we're going to basically change the way you do everything and then people are scared because they don't see how they fit into it um, so that was one of the biggest challenges. And, and sometimes you, you see it uh, working well and sometimes you see it uh, not working so well. But as we, you know, I believe recruitment is fairly simple. Um, it's just talking with people. It's talking to people. It's having conversations. And it's the same with um, any walk of life. It's almost just being proactive in your communication. And, you know, people like to be involved in that conversation rather than being talked to or talked at. So I think that's something that that government could do, could could always be better at. But that's, that's you know, every industry, every organisation, every HR, every recruiter could, could be better at just by being a little bit more kind of open and, and forthright with communication and being just by being honest with people, I think. Um, you know, everyone makes mistakes, but holding your hands up and, um, admitting to those mistakes and learning from them can, can, you know, is is something that gets you a lot of credibility and, and gives you a bit more kind of leeway to a certain extent. So, probably not the technical answer in terms of what's happening in terms of digital transformation, but that's from my perspective, kind of what I saw uh, and kind of my experience of it. No, that's great. I mean, that's exactly what I was interested in the 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 really the sort of the people side and the and the culture side. Um, I just want to talk about the recruitment bit in a second, but. Before we do, I'm just conscious that there's probably quite a few people listening to the podcast who won't know what the government digital service actually does. Could you just give us like a very quick overview of, um, um, you know, what the services are and what, what, what they're actually trying to do? Right. OK, so GDS started um, about 2000, about four or five years ago now. Um, the remit was to essentially um, it was started from a paper that was written by Martha Lane Fox um, called Revolution or Evolution. Uh, and in a nutshell, what it said was government services uh, were really complex. If you wanted to use a government service, you needed to understand how government worked, you know, all the different departments and arms and bodies and, uh, and all of that. Well, you shouldn't really have to understand how the state works. The mentality being shifted away from what the government wants and needs to actually what the user needs. Um, so GDS was set up um, to, to do kind of three main uh, kind of keystone um, parts, essentially, or how to describe it. First was kind of uh, transition. It was to move everything to a single domain where you could go and trust the information that was being given to you because, you know, there's 20 plus different departments, arms and bodies, et cetera, et cetera. And each of them had their own website their own style their own format their own tone their own language so to get it into one consistent place um so that's what ended up being the gov.uk alpha and and that's progressed to to you know an award-winning uh platform the second part was kind of transformation uh so what gds decided to do uh with government is to pick the top 25 highest transaction relationships that that uses and by users i mean citizens and and people that do business in the UK, companies, people that travel here for for business or for holidays. Um, so essentially, at any given point, I guess half the world. 
um, that they interact with government and, and to, to almost use those 25 as what we called them at the time exemplars. Some of them were very successful, some of them not so much, but it was the learning that came back out from them. And the third bit was um, kind of the uh, digital engagement and uh, inclusion. So making services which are faster, easier, simpler for users to use. But then also you've got to realize that not everyone has access to to Wi-Fi and to, to the internet. Not people are, not everyone is digital uh, savvy or literate. Uh, and so how do you, you know, they're users and citizens too. How do you give those people uh, access and uh, and the um, uh, the ability to use those services as well? So so that's that's why our government started, uh, GDS started. Um, that was kind of our phase one. Phase two is uh, kind of being mapped out now and, uh, and the business plans and the strategy and whatnot will be announced directly by GDS and Cabinet Office, et cetera, soon. So uh, probably best to keep an eye on that rather than, uh, me actually spouting what that might be and look like but in a nutshell it's going to be a more collaborative approach uh, with government departments and uh, yeah all in together to a certain extent I, I think some of the outputs are very very impressive indeed having just had to change my driving license address online I couldn't believe how easy it was to do yeah props to the to the to the teams working on that as well so that that's with the, in collaboration with the dvla so obviously it's not something that gds owns or controls that's something that that particular department and the the, the minister uh, the department for transport as well so it's collaboration and using kind of service design standards that that makes basically users like yourself just say that it was so easy to do Actually, why can't all services be that easy, whether it's your tax returns, whether it's, you know, paying um, for any sort of service or, or getting a refund from government, etc. So that, that that's the that's the kind of the MO of actually people like you, people like me saying that, oh, actually, that was really easy. That was really simple. That was really fast to do. And that's it. Well done. Now. Um, having having worked in digital for quite some time, um, I know just how difficult um, simplicity is to achieve, um, particularly when you're in a, an organisation like the government. And uh, you know, I can, I can only begin to imagine the the stakeholders and the processes and all that sort of stuff. In that context, and also in the context of the skill shortages that are in the market, what were the recruitment challenges that that that, that you kind of face getting um, getting digital talent into the organisation? Well, I mean, when I joined GDS, we, I joined without a particular, I didn't actually have a, a, a you know, a, a bona fide role that said, this is your job to come and do this. So I met with um, Rebecca Ramsey, who was the, uh, you know, heading up something called the Recruitment Hub. And in a nutshell, um, we had the conversation. He said, look, I don't know what the role is, but I know I need somebody with your skills and experience. So I joined and, you know, GDS had a, and still does have a very, very attractive brand because what. Uh, what we're trying to achieve, I, see, I still say we, um, what, what we're trying to achieve is um, everything we've just discussed. And a lot of people can see the value and the interest in that. So that was that was a, you know, a big win. You know, there didn't need to be a lot of uh, work around, you know, building that, that employer brand to a certain extent. What we did do at the time, though, was we just automatically inherited the cabinet office and the civil service kind of recruitment methodologies. And so this was the biggest challenge because, you know, we're doing all this innovative digital transformation work around all these great products and services. But when it came to kind of the HR element, the, you know, the people based bit, the things that you actually can build your organization on, nobody even looked at it. It was just like, 
but yeah, okay, we accept the status quo. That's how we have to do recruitment. So when I was doing my discovery of kind of, you know, piecing together what recruitment actually looks like, um, you know, the end to end process with hiring managers. So I said, you know, okay, so you, you've got a vacancy to fill. What do you do? And, you know, I had to join up, you know, the, the breadcrumbs and, you know, uh, put together the, the, the kind of the service design as it was. Where a lot of people say, oh, these are the rules. This is what we have to do. And, um, you know, we have to do this. We have to do that. We have to advertise for this long. We have to do it. And so I said, okay, fine. But the, I, I guess the biggest win or the best thing that I did was I questioned everything. I just said, why? And so people say, oh, that's the rules. And so the thing was, the next question I asked was, okay, where does it say that? And then I said, they're like, what do you mean? I said, where does it say that? Show me where it's written down that that is the rule. Because if that's what's written down, fine, that's the rule. But nobody could point at anything. Nobody could point at any sort of writing or policy, policy or legislation that said that was the rule. And that was almost like the biggest win where people had been doing this it for so long, they'd accepted it as that's the way to do it. And by proxy accepted it, that's the only way to do it. So I went and challenged that and, and all we could have, all I could really find that people could point to was the recruitment, the civil service recruitment principles, which are fair, open and on merit. And then, so I took that to our commissioner at the time and I said, look, you know, looked at our recruitment process and it was competency based application forms and, um, people were spending all this time writing about competencies. And I remember speaking to Ben Terrett briefly, uh, in one of my first few days, he was the, the director of uh, design at GDS at the time. And he'd just come out of an interview uh, for a designer. And he said, you know, the candidate scored really well in the competencies, but hadn't got any design experience, not a single day's design experience. So it was a flawed process because it was asking for evidence of competencies, but not actually asking for evidence of any of the skills. So I believe that, you know, competencies are behaviors and how you do things, but it's all well and good of how you do things. But if you don't have the what, as in the actual skill, in this case, the design experience, then it doesn't matter how you do the what and the how, if that kind of makes sense. Um, so, you know, I'm looking at things like, it's not revolutionary for uh, the recruitment industry, but moving to CV-based applications, you know, just upload your CV, do a simple statement of suitability. And, you know, I, I, I proposed this to our commissioner and the commissioner said, yeah, well, why are you not doing this already? And that for me at that moment was a big win um, because, you know, the commissioner said, look, you understand your business better than we do. As long as you're fair, as in, you know, your, your, your recruitment process is fair, everyone goes through the same process it's open. Anyone who wants to apply to can. And then you point uh, on merit, the best candidate for the role, then, yeah, we're fine with that. So that was a big win. And, I, you know, I didn't do anything revolutionary. I didn't do anything groundbreaking. But all I did was challenge the status quo and actually looked at recruitment um, and challenge bits and pieces. So, you know, we started the journey and that there's a team now at GDS that are, that are continuing to do that and then looking to share those learnings and um and that with the rest of the civil service as well, because it's not just GDS that are looking to recruit, recruit it's the whole of the civil service that are looking for uh, digital and tech and, uh, and data specialists as well to continue the great work. Really, really interesting. I mean, that that kind of challenging the the way things that have always done. I mean, you know, that that to me is kind of the core of making digital transformation work in in, in kind of big established organisations. Um, just kind of broadening out slightly, 
Um, I just wanted to get get your thoughts on, um, you know, as as an in house recruiter who's 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 been doing this for a, um, you know, been doing this for a while. What have you What have you seen change um, about recruitment in the last in the last few years? Um, t- there's there's so many tools and uh, ex- tools available to recruiters. I think people have started to respect and value the role of a recruiter and the value that they can add to an organization in terms of an in-house role so there's so many amazing products which are which have either been developed or being developed that that can help organizations actually understand who they are but then also understand the market so um it's a very very interesting time i mean but you know you I've, I've listened to a lot of your, your your previous podcasts and um matt buckland of uh, Twitter and BBC fame came out and he said something which which kind of stuck with me about you know as as recruiters or kind of generalist HR people we like to uh, almost oh look at the shiny shiny oh this is a new tool that's going to solve all of our problems I don't think you know a lot of tools kind of market themselves as this is going to solve all your problems there's nothing there's no silver bullet you know there's nothing that's going to basically automate and fix everything for you it's about picking the tools and um the, the products that can actually help you um do bits of your role better um so so that's what i've seen you know there's a lot of things and i think matt mentioned this as well linkedin bashing i'm a big fan of linkedin as a product because it's actually got you it's a it's an access to a uh, a database or, or connections globally and as i said earlier i think recruitment is just about having Recruitment is quite simple. Um, it's, as I said, having conversations with people. And then tools like LinkedIn and, and whatnot are just something to enable that conversation. Um, so I think there, there, there's a lot of products out there, you know, a lot of ATSs that are going to help you automate the, the, the parts of your job as a recruiter, which you don't like doing, you know, scheduling interviews or, you know, automating feedback notes and, and, and bits and pieces like that. I mean, those those tools are just basically going to help everyone just cut out the time when you're doing admin. So those are those are really important. But I think we need to be a little bit more apprehensive and skeptical about people that are going to sell you products that say, you know, do this. We've got an algorithm that's going to basically find you all the Ruby developers in the world and they're only going to work with you. I take that with a pinch of salt. Um, nothing beats hard work as a recruiter and, and nothing beats kind of having those connections and talking with and to people and good old recommendations and, and referrals. Uh, really so yeah interesting times in the tech space in, in recruitment yeah it's a, a kind of interesting um sort of dichotomy between humans and tools and technologies and um there, there's obviously a lot of debate um you know a lot of quite passionate debate about um how this how this all works and what's really sort of providing value um and what's just a, um, a red herring or um you know sort of vaporware basically um uh, final, final question so uh, you know, where are we going next? What are you uh, looking forward to uh, seeing happen in recruitment over the next 12 to 18 months? Um, I don't know if I can answer that, Matt. Um, I don't know what the future holds. Um, I'm not, I don't, I don't think I can predict it. Uh, I just think um, one thing that I, one kind of curve that I've seen more and one thing that I'm really excited to do at, at, um, at Onfido is, is, is the data-driven approach to recruitment. Uh, I think that's going to hold, there's going to be a lot of development in that space to a certain extent because you can use, you know, a lot of companies, oh, time to hire and cost to hire and da-da-da. 
it's about kind of stepping back and actually saying actually what information is important to us as an organization what do we want to know uh and and then I guess looking at kind of the industry, what are different organizations setting themselves in terms of data metrics and data points to, to measure themselves at and see whether we as a recruitment industry can can have some standardized data points um, and then use data as it should be, not just to make reports and send them out to your um, senior leadership team and they go, yes, we've got MI, we do MI, but actually use those to make actual future strategic uh, decisions to say, actually, this worked for us, this didn't work for us. Not just and not just take that as gospel. Say actually, why did this work for us? Can we use? Is there anything that we can spot in the data um, to help um, kind of escalate that and say actually we should do more of that? And this is why it worked, and this is why it didn't work. And use those kind of test hypotheses. And um, another thing that I've I've um, I'm excited to do out on Fido is you know companies create all these amazing different products. Um, but we don't look at kind of recruitment and HR as a product as well. So I'm looking to, I don't know how I'm going to do it yet, but looking to introduce recruitment as a product and, you know, use hypotheses and uh, user stories and testing and, and learning and applying agile and lean methodologies to, to recruitment to see if we can kind of make it better as well. And, and Onfido have been very open to that and uh, I'm excited to, to, to see where we can go with that. So, um, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not pretending I'm a thought leader or industry leader and, and, and know where the whole industry as a whole is going to go in 12 to 18 months. I think anyone that tries to say that uh, is looking for kind of speaker slots at conferences and looking for attention on their blogs. I don't think anyone knows. I don't think anyone can confidently shape the direction of a whole industry. And um, I think it's it's only the people that do it, that are actually doing the day-to-day recruitment that can actually help shape where it goes rather than people that are talking on soapboxes about what the industry might or might not do with all due respect to them. I don't, a lot of people that I see talking on the the kind of recruitment HR circuits are people that had done recruitment a number of years ago, but are not, not with all due respect to them that relevant anymore because uh, you know, when was the last time they filled the vacancy? So I think it's people like uh, people that are hands on that can, can shape the, the future. And from what I'm seeing from the people that I talk to in, um, in the DBR group, which is a, a network of uh, in, in-house recruiters, it's about data-driven um, recruitment and, and recruitment not just being the responsibility of the recruitment team, re- recruitment being the responsibility of an organization um, because everyone wants to work with good people. Everyone wants to have the best people working with them and, and for the organization to grow and develop. So why should that be the responsibility of um, you know, one or two or, or people or one or two people, uh, teams, it should be everyone's responsibility. Yes, led by the recruiters, but everyone plays their part in it. And, uh, yeah, Onfido really give me that confidence that they're looking to do that as well. So yeah, excited. Well, that's the reason why I'm joining them. Well, I look forward to, uh, following your progress and see, uh, seeing how you get on. Um, Zish, thanks very much for talking to me. Cheers, Matt. Pleasure. My thanks to Zishan. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can find all the past episodes of the show at www.rfpodcast.com. And on that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Thank you.